wife Julie and I like to regularly go for walks or bike rides together, often during an evening when the day is coming to the end. If we have a family member in town who can watch our kids, we like this kind of exercise, but more time together. We do this fairly often. So if you're in Lee Heighton, usually towards the evening, there's a good chance you'll see us around town making our circles around. Now I have some rules with this, one that I am particularly a stickler about. That is, as we're out there, I have to be between her, my wife, and traffic at any point in time. So if we're walking on a sidewalk, I'm walking closer to traffic. If we're riding our bikes, I'm towards the traffic as well. She'll probably tell you it's sometimes annoying how much I can stick to that and have that in my brain, but it's just something that I like to do. I had an experience, though, with her that raised some questions about this procedure and what I'm actually supposed to do in these moments. It was something that I actually wasn't aware of happening, but it happened and it, yeah, it just put a lot of questions in my mind. So we were out on this ride. It was a bike ride together and it was really close to dusk. In fact, it was getting pretty dark outside. And as we're on this bike ride together, I'm completely oblivious to it, probably because at least I like to tell myself because I'm like paying attention to traffic or something like that. But as we're on this bike ride together, just about five feet off the road, the side of the road that we were riding on, there's a skunk. (laughs) Interesting, right? So it's there. I'm oblivious to it. She's probably wondering, why are you keeping us so far this side? She saw it the whole way. In fact, she said as we rode by, she actually locked eyes with the skunk. That's a great experience, isn't it? Everything hangs in the balance. Well, thankfully, The skunk looked at us and said, not a threat for some reason, and said, I'm going to let these people go. But it raised all kinds of questions in my mind. Think about it just for a second. I would like to believe for my wife that I would step in the way of a vehicle. I would step in the way of a bullet. I would step in the way of a punch. But a skunk? (laughs) Really, like, there's going to be some damage for a few hours or days or something. But is there really a long-term impact to this? It's... It's definitely my responsibility to still stay on traffic side. Am I right? And further question, if we're riding and we get past the skunk and I just tend to be a little faster getting by, if that just happens, is that a bad thing? Doesn't seem like a bad thing to me. That's nature. That's survival of the fittest, right? It just makes sense that that's how it's supposed to happen. And one last question, if we'll just say that she would be sprayed, if that would happen, is it then appropriate to forget all of these rules and ask her to ride on the other side of the road? Because that, there there shouldn't be two of us that smell. It just, these are great questions. These are great questions. With this in mind, with all of those questions, let me ask you a real question. When relationships in our lives get rough, let's say because of the story we just heard, they become stinky. When Life hands people difficult moments, and difficult moments create difficult people in our lives close to us. What is our responsibility in that? What is our responsibility to that person and that relationship? What do we do? What are we like? In these kinds of moments, and they've happened in all of our lives in these moments, Who would people say that we are? Who would people say that we are? What would they call us? What name would they use to refer to us? As we begin this time together, may God bless us with clarity about who we are and who we have been in relationships in our lives.
with our family members, with our friends. Who have we been? May God give us clarity in that. And further, through these moments together, may God bless us with an understanding that we can bring healing to these relationships. And no matter the state of the relationship, there is hope. This morning, may God bless you with hope. From whatever the past is, hope that in that relationship, there is a future. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God above, we are all here this morning and we have relationships. We live in a world that has fallen and so we know that there are difficult moments and those difficult moments have created difficult people. God, I ask that you would just bless each and every one of us in these relationships. Many of us are facing some big, broken relationships. God, may you give us clarity in this. May you fill our hearts with the fact that there is hope. There is hope. And God, may you give us the chance to bring health and restoration. Bless us in these moments, God. We open our hearts to you. We ask that you would fill this place with your presence. Speak to us by words or just by your pull on our hearts, God. Your pull, your spirit is much more important than anything that is said. May he move in these moments together. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There is hope for your relationships. For your relationships, there is hope. We see it come alive in the book of Ruth. We didn't read scripture yet this morning in kind of our official way. That's because through this message, we're going to read the entire first chapter of the book of Ruth. We're going to read that entire bit. I'm going to break it up into three spots for you as we go through this message this morning. And so we're going to start in Ruth chapter 1 with verses 1 to 7. This is what they say. It says this. It says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilian also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people were providing them food for them, that means back in, in Judah, in Bethlehem, food has come back there, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. The book of Ruth, chapter 1, it starts rough. This is a hard moment for anyone to face. We recognize this. This is a hard beginning of a story. If this feels a little bit like a Disney story to you, that makes sense, right? A Disney story, because within the first five seconds of the story, 50% of the people, specifically one of, if not both of the parents, have died already. The story just starts and we're in tears. Thank you, Disney. Way to go. This is a great moment. That's a Disney kind of story. We've got one right here. And this is a piece of art. 
This is a real piece of history, but it's also a, an artwork, the book of Ruth. This is written in a very real artistic way. Our guess is that it was written by King David himself. That makes sense because this moment happens in the time of the judges before there were kings. So King David would have known about this moment. He would have known about it not just from history, but because Ruth, Ruth would become David's great-grandmother. And so he was very involved in this story. This was a piece of his history. This would become actually a piece of Jesus's history. So we have this wonderful artwork moment. And being a piece of art, we recognize that names have value in this. The names of this story, it's an artwork, they have value. So we start with Naomi, who this very much centers around. Naomi's name means pleasant. Pleasant. We quickly learn that Naomi is not having anything near a pleasant situation, is she? She's not having a pleasant situation at all. And more so, we realize, we start to pick up on hints that not only is, is she not having a pleasant situation, but she's starting to become not so much of a pleasant person as well. At the start of the book of Ruth, Naomi's husband and her two sons die while in a foreign land. It is just Naomi and her two daughters-in-law who are from that foreign land. So in a lot of ways, she has to feel utterly and completely alone in this moment. Mothers-in-law, some of you are probably mothers-in-law, they tend to get a bad rap in this world, do they not? Yeah, they absolutely do. We give them a hard time. It's often unfair about how we think of them. With that said, Naomi has every right to be the stereotypical difficult mother's mother-in-law, does she not? She has the right. We have grace. We give her a pass for that. She is in a really hard situation. She has faced so much hurt, and so much of her future is a big, empty zero. There is no reason and no place for her to find hope. We give her a pass. We'll see from her own words that she feels that God has actually turned his back against her. He has turned away from her. God is specifically allowing this to happen to her. All of that, and she is blessed with the name Pleasant. It does feel a little bit like things are stacked against her. A little bit like she's being picked on. This is real life though, isn't it? Real life is difficult situations in this world that create difficult people. It happens. Some of us have faced those difficult situations. Some of us have become the difficult people. But we all know it and we see it in the lives around us. Maybe not to this degree. This is hard and we know that. We own that. This is a hard situation. But that's life. We face difficult situations and more often than not, difficult situations make difficult people. Now my guess is we all read this story with grace. We see Naomi's situation and we hurt. We have grace for her. Our heart cries out for her. But, but do we have that same kind of grace for the people in our own lives? Do we have grace for their hurts and hang-ups, their difficult situation? And do we have grace for their attitudes and actions? difficult people. Difficult people usually come from difficult situations. Do we have grace? This is all of us all the time. I really believe this. Deciding in a relationship, where do I draw the line? When do I shut someone out? When do I put up a wall? When do I say they've gone too far? It's been too much. When relationships are hard and people become hard, what do we do? 
Maybe this isn't you. Maybe this is just me. Maybe I'm the one who's the difficult person in this entire room. Go ahead, nod your head. Yep, that's the difficult person. You're the one we all have to deal with. Maybe I'm the person, because usually when everybody's talking, right, and you're not sure what it's about, it's about you. So maybe, maybe it's about me. But I don't think that's probably true. I will tell you this is me. All the time trying to decide in some of the big relationships in my life what I'm supposed to do. How much love is the right amount of love? Should I allow myself to be taken advantage of? What if it costs me money? What if it impacts my children? What if it hurts my wife? What if it hurts me? How much is too much? Where do I draw that line? In this relationship, what is my responsibility? I think we can know this as we begin in this passage. We know this, relationships, any relationship you have, it will become stressed. People will have difficult moments and often we will get hurt. Will we allow that hurt to end those relationships? To end those relationships. Let's see what happens for Naomi. We're going to look now at verses 8 to 18. This is our bigger section of scripture reading, so please hang with me as we grow through this. Verse 8 says this, It says, then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you've shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to even have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. As they wept aloud again, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. As we said, this is a piece of art. Names are important, and we have two more valuable names here. First, we have Orpah. This is of the two, Orpah and Ruth. This is the less valuable name. It has less meaning for us. Let's just address it right away. I'm saying Orpah, but you're thinking Oprah, right? Yeah, you're thinking Oprah. I, I can't be the only one. You're seeing this and you're thinking Oprah again and again and again. You're thinking Oprah. It's hard not to. If you were with us last week, you know I'm a little bit stickler on how we say names. I have my own opinions on that. This is 100% Oprah. It is Oprah right here. This is Oprah. Now, Orpah, Oprah, Orpah, Oprah, whatever. Orpah means back of the neck. That's a, that's a weird meaning of a name, is it not? Who looks at a child and says, hmm, 
think the distinguishing feature here is the back of the neck. That's what we're going to go with. This is a remarkable feature right now. Back of the neck. That's what we're going with. I don't know. I do have to, this is my sarcastic side. This is my whatever side. I do have to wonder if it wasn't her distinguishing feature as she walked away from Naomi. Ooh, that's kind of hard, isn't it? That's a little bit hard, but that's what clicks through my brain for Oprah. That's just what goes through my brain. And we probably do, I think we do give Oprah a hard time. This situation is hard. She wanted to stay with Naomi at first. She did. And Naomi uses the word here in this passage, she uses the word bitter. And we get a taste. That's not the last time you're going to hear the word bitter. And I imagine in real life, it's not the first time that Oprah heard the word bitter. Or if, if not from Naomi herself, from them talking behind her back, it's not the first time the word bitter was used. It was there. We sense it. There's real bitterness here. Oprah is facing a lot, and what makes sense is for her to go home, and that is what she does. It makes sense. Ruth is different. With the name Ruth, there is powerful meaning. Ruth is closely related to the Hebrew word that means friend, and she is a friend. This makes absolute sense. Ruth decides that she is staying by Naomi's side, Naomi's situation, it is bitter. She is empty. She is upset with God and she is upset with life. And as we see it, it's not just her life that's bitter. She starts to be bitter as well. Difficult situations bring about what? Difficult people. Her life is bitter and she's starting to be bitter as well. Do we want to be around bitter people? It is hard. You can imagine that Naomi is not easy to be with. But Ruth sticks it out. These are the meaningful, wonderful actions of a friend. These are actions of love. These are actions of grace. What do we do when life, relationships, situations, and then people in our lives become difficult? What do we do with the hard, turned, bitter people in our lives? We see what Ruth did. She stayed with Naomi. She stayed by her side. She selflessly and sacrificially chose Naomi over herself and her own future. She chose to be a friend. Now, the book of Ruth is an odd book in the Bible. I encourage you, we're looking at just chapter one. You need to read the rest of it at some point in time. You will get through it quickly. It is an amazing story. It's an odd book, though, in the Bible. See, there's things that we expect in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, that's supposed to be books that have these big crazy moments. These big crazy God did something ridiculous and it's, it's out of our minds and it's crazy and it's great. And that's what we're supposed to get from the Old Testament. It's supposed to be those big outlandish things that God sees as something and does something. And it's this great moment. And Ruth has absolutely none of it. There is no God-sized miracle in the whole book of Ruth. There's not a moment where someone parts water for all to see. There's no moment where someone goes into a fiery furnace and survives. There's no moment where someone is thrown into a lion's den and they survive. There's, there's no moments like that. No one even gets swallowed by a fish for three days and then spit back onto dry land. The land was dry. The saliva was not. They, yeah, none of that happened. There's no God's saliva. There's nothing in this whole spot. 
no moment. There's not even those little New Testament things where someone is just brought back from the dead. That's pretty crazy, but there's none of that. There's not even a person who's blind and now they see. At least we should get a blind person who can see. We should get something like that. Someone who can't walk, who can. We need, there's none of that. Ruth is different. There are no miracles in the book of Ruth. There are no no miracles in the book of Ruth unless, unless, say that with me, unless, unless. There are no miracles in the book of Ruth unless, unless we consider God's people acting in love and grace and selflessness as miracles. Then the book of Ruth is the story of God's miracles. The book of Ruth is overflowing with miracles. It is filled with blessings that come from people selflessly giving of themselves as God would have them. I encourage you to listen to this. I think Ruth is one of the best books in the Bible because I think it is overflowing with the best of God's miracles. Not big crazy things happening. It is filled with people choosing other people before themselves. Isn't that the biggest thing ever? It is easy for God to snap his fingers and to move some water. Change someone's heart. Change someone's heart. Put someone in a hard, difficult situation with difficult people and ask them not to think about themselves. That is insane. And that is our God and that is his miracles. Ruth is a story about the selfless actions of individuals and how everyday selflessness leads to everyday blessings. Let me say that again. Everyday selflessness, it leads to everyday blessing. Ruth presents the truth that selfless actions will change people's hearts, their lives, their attitudes, their relationships, their situations. This is everything. Our selfless actions, it not just changes difficult situations, it changes difficult people. It happens time and again. And through Ruth, we learn that while God sometimes works through miracles to bless people, he much more often works through the selfless actions of his people to change the world. Ruth is the miracle. She is the miracle. Simply choosing to be a friend, choosing grace, and choosing love, she is the best miracle we can find. She is the way God wants to work, and she changes lives. I encourage you, this is decent preaching. Write something down in your brain or somewhere. Put it in your phone. Mark it there. Remember this. For your own life and for your relationships, God often works through the selfless actions of his people to bring change to the world. It's how he works. It's how he wants to work. Ruth means friend, and she is just that. Selfless and sacrificial friend. The chapter of Ruth, the first chapter of Ruth, ends like this. We've got just a few more verses, verses 19 to 22. This is what it says. It says, So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. 
So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. As we get that last line, the barley harvest, there's a sense that harvest and health and something, God is stirring. Names here have value. Naomi decides that the name Pleasant doesn't really fit her experience, her life, her attitude anymore. And so she chooses a new name for herself. She says, you call me Mara. And that means, as we've used that word bitter and over and over again, that's what it means. Mara means bitter. She says, I am bitter. Bitter is a hard word for us to identify with. Being bitter, there is knowledge of your angst and acceptance of it. Bitter it's hard to be around. Do you know bitter people? Have you been a bitter person ever? It is hard to be around. It is. When I looked into bitterness, what came to my attention is that bitterness is a choice. That's what makes that word stand out. Bitterness is a choice. It's recognizing that I am angry, that I am hurt, that there's resentment, but it's the desire to choose it. It's the desire to look at the world, what it's dealt you, the situation you have, and saying, I'm going to choose to be this way. There's almost that something in us, right? That when we choose to be bitter, there's this desire to make other people feel what we've felt. It's like, I'm, going, I'm, I'm having a tough time. Guess who's having a tough time? Oh, yeah, and we want that because we hurt. And the hurt probably comes from real-life difficult situations, but we allow it to come over us. Here's the thing, though. I, again, encourage you, you've got to read the rest of the book of Ruth. Naomi chooses bitterness, but if you read the rest of the story, she's not referred as that. It does not become embraced. It does not become her story. Why is that? Why is that? Because while Naomi chose bitterness, Ruth chose friendship and love. And it changed Naomi's story. It changed Naomi's story. What about our relationships? What about the bitterness that has created divide in our own lives? What about the people who have become difficult to us? What has become our story? I know relationships are hard. As a pastor, I probably get more questions about relationships and what to do in them than any other thing out there. Relationships are on all our minds. It's real. It's there. It may be one of the more frustrating things for me because I want to give people advice and direction and understanding, and it's hard. So very often, I can't really speak into relationships. I can't tell you what to do. The truth is, relationships are tricky. They are yours, and you're the one who has to deal with the consequences, and I don't want to be responsible for that at all. You're the one who has to deal with the consequences, and I can't make those decisions for you. But I do want to help you. This is what I can tell you in a few things. Are you ready? Yes. Are you awake and ready? Yes. You're quiet, which hopefully means it's good preaching, not the worst preaching ever. We're going to go with it's okay. We're going to go with it's okay. This is what I can tell you. The first thing I have to tell you, you must know. God never gives up on us, and he's never given up on you. Amen. There are moments in your life where you have bitter, been bitter, where you have hurt him, where you've chosen to be difficult. There are moments in all of us where we have been hard to God, where we have turned our backs on him, where we have probably hurt him more than we've ever been hurt. But he's never given up on us. 
Your God, your Lord, has never given up on you. He is always still right there. And his son, our Savior, in the moment of being surrounded by bitter, difficult people, he chose them. And he chose them again. And he chooses you again. Our God, our Lord, he is for you. He never gives up on you. He is there with you. He is here right now. I see that in him and I see that in Jesus. And I believe there's a part of all of us as there's a part of me that I want to be like that too. I want to be that person for the people in my own life. You need to know, you have to know that God never gives up on you. I can tell you, not how or to what degree, not how close, but I can tell you that people will be difficult in your life. I don't know what people. I probably should say every people. They're all going to be difficult, but people will be difficult in your life. There will be hurt. But I know this, while on earth, family and friendship, they are our priority. Married couples out there, I want you to hear this. You're going to have rough patches. It's going to happen. Between your years three and ten, that's kind of the stereotypes. Those are going to be the deciding years for your relationship because the hardness is going to come. It's going to be there. Will you choose that person? Or will you let the bitterness, the difficult moment, and the difficult people become the story? I want you to know I confess so that you can confess. I have been difficult. I have been opinionated. I have been a jerk often. I have been those things, and I'm sure that I will be again. I don't want to be, but I will be. My wife has chosen not that to be our story. She has decided to be with me, to choose love and to choose grace. She is a better person than me, but I will also, if you ask her, I'm not going to speak for her. I'm not going to get myself in trouble. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm not... But she would probably tell you that she's had her moments too. Yeah, like back in 2008 or something, there was like that one time, whatever. Yeah, like she's had her moments too. And I've done the same. I've chosen her. I've chosen love. I've decided that that is going to be our story. You will have to make that decision. Difficult moments will come. Will you choose love and will you choose grace? Will you choose love and will you choose grace? I encourage you, in whatever the relationship, choose people. Families and friends out there, you will have these moments. This is the worst part of COVID. This is the real disease of COVID and politics and all of those things that happen right now, right? Is they've given us all these reasons. They've given us difficult situation after difficult situation after difficult situation, right? And what does difficult situations bring? Difficult people. And we have them all in our lives. We're surrounded by them. And they're not somewhere far off. They're our brother and sister. They're our neighbor. They're our best friend. They're the people we work with who we thought we could rely on. And now all of a sudden, they're, they're a stranger in some ways, right? And we have all of these things. You have a choice. Either that difficulty will be your story or love will be. You get to choose. Will the difficult moment be your story or will love? I want to tell you something more. I don't know if I should. This is part of you figuring out your relationship. I want to tell you that you should protect yourself. 
And I do think in relationship that's true. I have to tell you, though, I think that's good worldly advice, and I don't think that's good Jesus advice. Does that make sense? You have to protect yourself, and I know that that's true, and that's a worldly, that's a, I'm a dad, and I want my kids to protect themselves, but I also know that Jesus said if someone wants your coat, you give it to them, and you give them your shirt too, right? You give it all, and so I don't, I'm going to tell you, I don't think that's Jesus advice, or I don't think it is. I think it's worldly advice, and it's all right, and you have to decide in that relationship, in that situation, what you're going to do and who you're going to be. I can tell you this, you will get hurt and you may have regrets, but as much as I have been hurt, the greatest hurt in my life is when I have shut people out, when I haven't given them chances, and when I've left wondering that relationship, left wondering if I could have or should have done something more for them. That is the real hurt, is when I've shut them out. That is the biggest and the worst hurt. Yes, you might financially hurt. They might take advantage of you and who knows how many ways, I don't know. But the hardest hurt is when I shut people out. And I need to tell you one more thing. We learn from the book of Ruth that life is better with people. Life is better with people and we were meant to be with others. And the amazing thing about the book of Ruth, you, I have to tell you, what we learn from the book of Ruth is there is always hope with people. And every relationship, there is hope. Our sacrificial decisions, us choosing selflessness, changes people. It changes difficult situations, but more importantly, it changes difficult people. There is hope for our relationships. There is hope. Choose grace. Choose love. We're at the end. There's so many things I want you to hear from this because I, I wish I could speak into everybody's lives specifically, but I know I can't, and this is hard. If you have bitterness in your life right now, if you don't address it, it will grow. Bitterness is stew. It's going to grow. It's going to churn. It's going to boil. It's going to deepen. It's going to fester. Bitterness does not sit still. It will ruin. It will ruin the relationship and it might ruin your life if you let it. But it can be beaten. Bitterness difficult people, difficult situations, they can all be beaten if we are willing to take the first step, if we choose selflessness, if we move toward one another, if we forgive and move forward, it can be beaten. The book of Ruth, I love it because it speaks about true miracles in this world. You get to choose to be a miracle. You get to choose to be a miracle. What is someone going to call you? What name are they going to give you? Is it going to be bitterness? Will they call you jerk? Will they have another name for you we can't say here this morning? We're not going there. Or will you choose forgiveness and grace and love? Will that person decide to call you loved one? Brother? Sister, like Ruth, will you be remembered as a friend? You can be the miracle. You can be God's best kind of miracle. When I think about what shaped my life, 
If you ask me what my testimony was, I would have to tell you, you would hear it and you've heard, if you've been around me at all, you've heard me talk about my mother time and time again because I was shaped by her life and her decisions. When I was 10 years old, my mother was told that she had breast cancer and she had somewhere around three months to live. So like any kid does and any mom does, we prayed that she wouldn't die. And she didn't. Those three months came and went. Doctors were stunned. They weren't sure exactly what to do. And she lived on. She would live for eight, nine more years, battling cancer all along the way, fooling doctors, being a miracle, right? That isn't the miracle. That isn't the miracle. It was how over those eight or nine years, where my mom had every reason to be difficult, right? Because difficult situations like cancer bring about what? Difficult people. She could have been the difficult person. This is the moment where she should have been selfish, where she should have made it about her, where she should have wrapped in herself and been in her own little cocoon and said, this is my story. I am Mara. I am bitter. This is me. I was not changed because God saved my mom from cancer. I am different because of who my mom is when she had cancer. How she chose me and my siblings, how she loved us, how she continually sacrificed and served. The miracle is not that she lived. The miracle is how she lived. How she lived. I want to be that miracle. You can be that miracle. There is hope. There is hope. Father in heaven, God above, God, we lift this moment to you. God, I pray right now. This isn't a moment where a decision is made in this room. This is a moment where we have to go and we have to live that decision. God, we have to decide that we're going to go to that difficult situation and worse, we're going to have to go to that difficult person and we're going to have to choose to make it not about us. We're going to have to live different. We're going to have to be different. We're going to have to choose grace and love. That's going to have to be our story. And God, it can't be just something we decide to do once. God, difficult people don't go away. And sometimes they change really slowly. But God, we know the truth. That there is hope. There is hope for our broken marriages. There is hope for our broken families. Our relationships can have healing and health. Help us recognize, God, it starts when we step forward in grace and in love. God, help us to remember Ruth. Help us to remember how she lived. Plan in us a desire to be like her and to choose to be a friend. And God, I pray over each individual here in person and online, may we all choose, God, to be the best kind of miracle. May we choose to be your people, living in selflessness, in sacrifice, in love. Bless us in that, God. Bring healing to our relationships. And right now as we leave here, fill us with your hope. Fill us with your hope. The story of these relationships and hurt is not over. Bless us, God, and be with us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
as you stand, I want to remind you. It's a quote that I hold on to. It's a quote from a pastor or a theologian named Frederick Buchner. He said something very simple and profound. He said, the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves to us that the worst moment is never the last moment. Right now in your relationship, you might be in the worst moment. It is not the last. It is not the last. Would you 